Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's open our hearts this morning. We're going to continue a series. This is part three of the series we began called The Unmeasurable Love of God. We're going to take just a moment and review for those of you who weren't here, but I've got a lot of new ground we want to get into. And then, then again, we've got our business meeting afterwards. So I want to, I don't want to rush it, but I don't want to prolong it either. But let's turn to Ephesians chapter three. We're talking about the unmeasurable love of God. And I want to just bring some revelation to you this morning. I want to kind of be a teacher today, kind of teach you some things that will help you. This revelation has helped me in my walk with God. I would say as much, if not more than anything, the revelation of how much God loves us. Would you just look at your neighbor and just tell him, say, God loves you. Just tell him, say, God loves you. Tell your other neighbor, in spite of all of your faults, God still loves you. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, Paul here, the great apostle Paul, is praying for his church that they would be strengthened with power in their inner men so that they would have the strength to comprehend. Now this word comprehend means to go way beyond just head knowledge. This is not just I know in my heart, John three sixteen, God loves me. This is I've experienced God's love. It goes way beyond just mere comprehension. This is an actual understanding. This is a, this is a deep learning and insight that we would comprehend with all the saints. Somebody say all. I did an exhaustive word study on that word all in the original Greek language. And I was so surprised to find out the Greek word for all means all. All means all. Meaning it is for everybody in the house. This revelation is not just for TC. This revelation of how much God loves me is not just for the pastors. The revelation of how much God loves me is for all the saints, for every believer in the house. That we would understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep. Verse 19 says that we would know the love of Christ. Now, let me just get you out of Sunday School 101. Thank God for Sunday School. But let me just get you out of just reading. I think we read our Bibles too fast. I think we skim over things and we don't pay attention. What is Paul doing here? He is praying. What is he praying? That they would know how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of God. Well, why would Paul pray for them to know the love of God if they already had a full revelation? It's because they did not yet have a full revelation of how much God loved them. Meaning you can grow in your revelation of how much God loves you. Notice here, it surpasses knowledge and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. And then we gave you two parables from Matthew chapter 13 that really illustrate this. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And anytime you see this phrase that says the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to pay attention to this. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And we know that the field we talked about represents the world. And the, the treasure is you. You and I, we are the treasure. So I want you to see this. And then a man found it and covered it up. So man's out walking in a field and he trips over something. And he looks down and sees this shiny stuff, begins to dig around, finds this amazing treasure. And instead of running and telling everyone, he actually, the Bible says, in his joy, went and sold everything that he had and he bought the field. 
And then the Bible also goes on and says in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's in search of fine pearls. And on finding the pearl of great value, he sold all that he had and he bought it. So the man, I believe, represents Jesus. I believe the field represents the world. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And then I believe the treasure are the people of God, the collective people of God. Those who have said yes to Jesus, we are now the treasure. We are now the pearl. I believe God looks at you and says, you are that pearl of great price. I gave all that I had for you. Meshach talked about this morning how Jesus gave it all, emptied himself. Jesus gave everything he had to buy you back and to give you what's called redemption. Say this when we say, I am the pearl of great value. And so if you are so valued by God, don't ever let anyone devalue you. Don't ever let anyone talk you out of your value because you are so valuable. Jesus gave everything he had to buy you back. And so this is the truth that we've been walking in the last few weeks. And we gave you four layers of God's love. You'll see this on the screen. Number one, it's individual. Number two, God's love is everlasting. Number three, God's love precedes time. God loved you before there was even time. And then number four, it is unmatched in power. It is, as the Bible says in the songs, stronger than death. And then we talk to you about the fall of man, and we begin to talk to you about God's plan of redemption and how much he loves us. Let's give you four fundamentals about the fall of man. Number one, it affects every person. Everyone in the room is affected by the fall of man. Everybody in the room is affected by the thing called sin. Number two, there are grave consequences to Adam's fall. The result of Adam's fall is death. When Adam and Eve trespassed against God, God looked at Adam and said, In dying you shall surely die. Now, in East Tennessee, we say, I'll kill you dead. <laughs> we got some friends from up north. You're going to get used to some of our southern things and southern accents. And God was telling Adam, he wasn't saying, Adam, I'm going to kill you dead. What God was saying is, Adam, in dying, you shall surely die. Meaning on that day, two things happened to Adam. Number one, Adam died spiritually. When Adam sinned against God, he died spiritually, and then he began to die physically. Romans chapter 5 says, through one man's sin, death came to the whole world. And so death spread to everyone because of the fall. Sin, sickness, poverty, lack, sorrow, pain, death... These are all results of the fall. And then we begin to talk about last week, get the podcast, man is now in dire need of redemption. And we talked about redemption. And not only are we in dire need of redemption, but Jesus paid the full price. So what is redemption? I believe you have this on the screen. Let me show you a definition for redemption. Redemption means giving of a new nature and a new life to man. Jesus took our old life, our old death, our old sentence of guilt, and he gave us a new life and a new nature. Notice this here. Say this with me. Ready? It's the total plan and total cost. Let's try it again. It's the total plan and total cost. What is redemption? What is this big fancy church word? It's the total plan and the total cost for God to buy back mankind from the authority of Satan. 
Without God, you are under the authority of the devil. You are under the authority of death. You are under the authority of a fallen world. Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice for our sin, paid the full price. He bought the field, paid all that he had for the treasure so he could buy you back so you could now be redeemed unto eternal life. Now listen to this part we talked about last week. Redemption is not just the forgiveness of sins. That would be great. But notice this. Hear this now. Ready? Redemption is the total abolishment of the power of sin over my life. Redemption is the total restoration of relationship. And I want you to get that in your heart. And it all happened because of how much God loved us. Now notice this here in the parable. We talked about the man bought the field. Redemption is the legal payment that Jesus paid to legally buy us back so we can now have fellowship with God. Now let's get into some new stuff this morning, some new ground. I want to give you real quick this morning, we won't get to all of these, but I want to give you 10 benefits of being bought by the blood. How many of you like alliteration? How many of you think alliteration is anointed? 10 benefits, we'll just cover a few today. 10 benefits of being bought by the blood. You are paid for by the precious blood of Jesus And there are some tremendous benefits to this redemption that we talked about last week. Say this with me and say it out loud. Say, God loves me just as if I'm the only person in this world to love. You got to get that in your heart. You got to settle the unmeasurable love of God. What are we doing? We're digging around today so you can understand how long and how wide and how deep and how high is the love of God, which passes mere head knowledge that you can get a revelation in your heart. And Ephesians 3.20 says that activates the power of God in our life. Now unto him who's able to do more than we can even ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. How do we activate God's power in our life? Through a revelation of how much he loves us. How many of you have ever wondered what are the benefits of Christianity? I go to church and I have to put up with a mediocre sermon. Not here, that's somewhere else, Amen. <laughs> Have to put up with lame jokes. Not here. That's somewhere else, right? Have to drink old stale coffee. Not here. We have good coffee. Amen. Even when David makes it, we have good coffee. Praise God. Why do I go to church? All they want is my money. I'd rather do my money and other things and invest my money. Why church? Why this relationship with God? Now, now church is not your total sum of your walk with God, but I believe when you are walking with Jesus, you want to walk with believers. You want to fellowship with believers. The Bible says two are better than one. I'm better with David. I'm better with TC. We're better together. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. We're stronger together. I believe there's something in the heart of every true believer that desires and wants to cultivate that fellowship and relationship. So what are some of the benefits of this walk with God? Number one, I want to, I want to teach you today. We're going to go a little deep. Is that okay? Can we, can we not just be shallow and surfacey? Let's dive in a little bit, but this will help you in a tremendous way. We're going to take a very complicated truth and we're going to bring it down to a real simple way. Number one, we are justified. Number one, the first benefit of being bought by the blood of Jesus is we are justified. Now, the problem with justification, it is so complicated. I could teach for six weeks on just this one little word, but but we, we don't have time to do that. I've heard it said before, people say, well, I looked in the English dictionary and justified means this. The problem with that is that this Bible was not written with Webster's English dictionary. <laughs> they, it, it is a, a written from a Hebrew person using a very ancient Greek language to a Greek culture 
And so we have to go back to understand what was the author trying to say when he talks about us being justified. And this is something you may have never heard before, but the original word of justification, justified. How many of you have ever heard the word justified? It's a fancy church word. And you know what it means? Way back in the very beginning, it was used as a measuring stick. You know, now we have levels and we have rulers, and, and how many of you know I, it's hard to even get something level with a level? <laughs> if you stand crooked, the level doesn't help you out too much, right? But but a, this justification word was a, was a river reed. It was a bamboo stick, and it wasn't made to measure uh, vertical. It was actually a measuring stick for a horizontal plane. This is how, when you look at the ancient pyramids, and you're like, wow, how do they do that? How's this straight? How's this level? They used a justification. It is a measuring stick. So this word is God's standard of measure, meaning God sets the bar. God is the highest absolute perfection. He is holy. He sets the stick. And so when we are justified, it is God bringing us up to his level of holiness, which is so hard to comprehend because I am not holy in my own self. I have sinned. Has anybody else in the room ever sinned? Look at all the liars that didn't admit it, man. We got one honest man right here. Has anybody else ever sinned? You just did by lying, I'll just tell you. I didn't mean like right now. But listen, we, we've all given ourselves over to sin, and we've all, you know, been found guilty. Let me, let me dig here just a minute. Let me, let me help you explain this for just, just a few minutes. So, so here's what justification means. It is, in God's eyes, just as if I'd never sinned. Isn't that amazing? Under the blood of Jesus, when God sees Meshach, he sees Meshach just as if he had never sinned. Because God is holy, he's the perfection, he's the measuring stick. Our Heavenly Father is the judge. Say that when we say, God is my judge. Now, a lot of people are afraid of that. Preachers stand up and say, God's going to judge you. And they think they're going to get bigger offerings. You're robbing from God by not giving, and God is going to judge you. And they make our God, our judge, like Judge Judy. Dear me, I would never want to stand in front of Judge Judy. I mean, I could do everything right, and that lady would find some kind of fault with me, you know? But listen, God is our judge. But listen, that is a great thing. You know why it's a great thing that God is our judge? Because He's judging me based on what Jesus did, not what I've done. Yeah, we got one guy that thinks that's good news. You may have come to the front row, Carrie. I like that. Let me say it again. God is our judge, and He's judging me based on Jesus' behavior. Now, I have an attorney in this legal battle. I'm in a legal battle, and I have a, a plaintiff. I have an attorney. I have an accuser. The attorney on my side, pleading my case, his name is Jesus. The Bible says he's my advocate. He's my mediator. That's a legal term, meaning God is the judge, and Jesus is my advocate. Now, who's the accuser? The devil. Who's the plaintiff? Who's bringing the charge against me? The devil. And so I walk up with my attorney, and my attorney says, don't say a word. Let me talk to the judge. And he says, Judge, I want to tell you, and this is so shocking to me, and, and I'm in the middle of this court case. The attorney walks up and says, Judge, he did it. And I'm like, what? What kind of attorney is this? What am I paying you for? Judge, he's guilty. He really did it. And the judge looks at me and says, is that true? And then he, Jesus says, don't say a word, don't say anything. And I'm like, and, and, and he says, Judge, th this guy, he murdered. He deserves a life sentence. He actually deserves the death penalty after he spent a life in jail. 
He deserves to die. He did it. I saw him. I'm a witness. I'll put my blood in writing to show that he did it. But there's one other thing. The judge says, let me, let me think about this sentence. Let me talk about this. And the, the devil's looking and accusing. And Jesus says, judge, but here's the thing. I'm going to serve his sentence. I'm going to take his place. No, 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 you can't do that. Yes, I am, judge. I, I want this man to go free. And I'm going to serve his sentence. I'm going to lay down my life, give up my life, so that my client, this man, who is guilty, can go free. Ladies and gentlemen, justification means that I am guilty, but it means that through the blood of Jesus, I am now proven innocent. Not because I didn't do it, but because someone else is serving my sentence. So now, when I leave the courthouse, and they take my attorney, and they take my attorney Jesus, and they throw him in the jail, and I'm standing on the courthouse steps, I'm a free man, but I was really guilty. But I'm a free man because somebody took my place. That's called Jesus. Have you know when you're guilty, you're guilty. And so let's look at what the Bible says about our guilt and the price that was paid. So I'm guilty. I committed the sin. But Jesus stands in front of the judge and says, Judge, give me the sentence on behalf of my client. I will lay down my life. Now, therefore, in the judge's eyes, in God's eyes, I'm justified. Romans chapter 5. Turn over there. Open your Bibles. Romans chapter 5. This is such a powerful verse of Scripture. I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. What hope? That my attorney is going to plead my case before the judge. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, I don't have to be fearful and afraid because the attorney has pled my case and took my place. Look at this here. We know how God dearly loves us. How many of you have heard about the judgment seat of Christ? How many of you have heard goofy preachers stand up and say, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had is going to be projected on a projector screen for the whole world to see. And they're trying to manipulate you. They're, they're trying to modify behavior instead of life transformation. I would rather teach you life transformation, and then what's happening on the inside will show up on the outside. I don't have to manipulate your behavior to get you to behave. I can teach you who you are on the inside, that Jesus is on the inside of you then you'll begin to live more Christ-like. And so I want you to notice here, on the judgment seat of Christ, when I stand before God, I am not afraid, I am not disappointed, because we know how much God loves us. The love of God has everything to do with receiving our justification. Notice this here, He's given us the Holy Spirit. Another translation says, the Holy Spirit's been poured out in our hearts with His love. Now look at verse 6. When we were utterly helpless. What a phrase. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and He died for us sinners. Notice verse 7. Now most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a really especially good person. Verse 8, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God showed what? His great love. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole plan of redemption, this whole justification by faith, by grace through faith, it is all wrapped up and contained in the capsule of how much God loves you. I hear a lot of teaching on we're justified by faith, the Reformation, Martin Luther, I understand all that. But you know what's missing from that? We're justified in the eyes of God because of His love. 
I, I never hear people teach that element. I listen to a lot of teaching. I listen to a lot of faith teaching. I listen to a lot of teaching on righteousness. And hardly anybody connects it to his great love for us. He did it by sending Christ to die. Even when I was a sinner, helpless, an enemy of God, God looked at me and said, I will still take his place. I will still pay the price. Now notice this here in verse 9. And now, since we've been made right in God's sight. You know what justification is and righteousness? It's now I'm right in God's sight. God is not mad at you. Would you tell your neighbor God is not mad at you? Tell him, say, I'm a little bit mad at you, but God is not mad at you. Notice this here. Now we've been made right. You know what righteousness is? It's right standing with God. Now God doesn't see me as a dirty, rotten sinner. God sees me as the righteousness of God. When God sees TC, He doesn't see TC the dirty, rotten sinner. That's what Robin sees when she sees TC, but that's not what, it, that's not what God sees. God sees now someone who is just as if he'd never sinned. So how does that affect my prayer life? How does that affect my walk of faith? How does that affect when I am maybe sick in my body and I begin to realize, man, I've not been a good Christian. You know, I haven't, you know, haven't done all I'm supposed to. I've not been praying, not been reading my Bible. I guess maybe, maybe God is not going to touch my body now. No, 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 no. Doesn't have anything to do with that. It's based on Jesus and what he's done. Now you just receive by grace through faith. Because in the eyes of God, it's just as if I've never sinned. Well, that sounds too good to be true. If it wasn't the Word of God, it would be too good to be true. But it is so good that it is true. It is the Word of God. Are you getting this today? Notice this here. We've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Now, that word condemnation in the Greek language is organ. It means wrath. It means anger means indignation. It means punishment. We've been saved from the wrath of God. We've been saved from the punishment of God. God is not out to punish you. He's out to love you, and He's out to bless you. Notice this here in verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored, what did Adam do? He gave away our friendship with God. But our friendship with God has been restored. How? By the death of His Son. While we were still God's enemies, we weren't just little sinners, you know, seeing God. We were enemies of God. If you are not a friend of God, you are an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God. It says, I will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Verse 11, now we can rejoice. Can I see somebody rejoice this morning? Even on time change Sunday, can we still rejoice? Well, brother, I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. Please let it out. We need to know. Please, please tell your face that you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart because we cannot tell. We should rejoice. You should never have a bad attitude another day in the rest of your life. Uh-oh. Amen or oh me? Stepping on toes. 
Do you know why we should never have a bad attitude the rest of our life? Because in the eyes of God, I'm standing clean. In the eyes of God, even though I was an enemy of God and I deserved a total damnation and separation from our loving Father because of sin, now because of Jesus, I stand before God justified. My attorney took my place. Now I can receive everything from God based on what Jesus did for me. Isn't that good news? Therefore, I should rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us, look at this, ready? Friends of God. Carrie, we're justified. This is a benefit of the blood covenant. Number two, I think you'll like this one. The second benefit of being bought by the blood is I am redeemed from the curse. Let's, let's spend just a minute here on this. Look at Ephesians 1.7. Are you with me? Anybody out there? Amen. Annette's with me. Praise God. Hopefully you're getting this. Hopefully, I, I know you're quiet and I understand that. Hopefully you're just thinking and letting this sink in. Hopefully this is making sense here. This is a little deep, but I'm telling you, this is so freeing when we understand how God sees us. This is a benefit of redemption of how much God loved us. Verse 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace. That he purchased our freedom. That's the word redeemed us. He bought us back with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. Look at Galatians chapter 3. The second benefit of being bought by the blood of Jesus is we are redeemed from the curse. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse. You see, Jesus absorbed all of the curse that came from man's fall and man's sin and left the blessing. He absorbed all the curse and left the blessing for us to walk in. He took it upon himself for our wrongdoing, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now verse 14, Galatians 3, 14 talks about Abraham being blessed, making a covenant with God. And it says, through Jesus Christ, God blessed the Gentiles. That's everybody who's not Jewish under the original Jewish covenant. We've been blessed with the same blessing promised to Abraham because we are believers and we receive the promise through the Holy Spirit through faith. So let me just illustrate this for you. Look up with, look up with me if you can. Everybody look at me. I, wanna, I want you to see this. Under the curse before God, as an enemy of God, there is defeat from your enemies on every side. Under the blessing of God, according to Deuteronomy 28, there's victory from your enemies. Under the curse of God, we have empty storehouses. What is a storehouse? It's a place you store stuff in your house. It's where you build up your treasure. It can be fruit and grain as in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it can be our finances. Under the curse, storehouses are empty and barren and dry. Under the blessing of Deuteronomy 28 that belongs to Abraham, the storehouses are now full, overflowing, and, and full of provision. We are a wandering, purposeless people under the curse. But under the blessings of Abraham, we are established people with a hope. Under the curse, we have lack and want and need. Under the blessing, we are plenteous in goods, materials, and possessions. This is all in Deuteronomy 28. Under the curse, as an enemy of God, we are prey to sickness and disease, and we have no hope. There are things medicine can do. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for medicine. But we are at their mercy. 
Under the blessings of God, he told Abraham they would be, he would have fruit in his body. He would have healing. Isaiah 53, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Under the curse, I'm just up to the best that medicine can provide and thank God for that. But under the blessing of Abraham, I'm up to what the great physician can provide, which is total healing in my body. Now, in the old curse, under the law, I have famine. I have famine in my crops, famine in my cattle. Under the blessing, I have plenty of crops, plenty of cattle. Any farmers in the house claiming that promise? Under the curse, under the law, as an enemy of God, it's a closed heaven. As a, as a New Testament believer, as the seed of, of Abraham in Jesus, I have open heaven. As an enemy of God, the heavens are closed to my prayers. But as a believer, one of the benefits that I'm redeemed from is I now have open heaven that Dan was talking about, the provision for ministries and life. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant under the law, I work and I toil with very little produce. Under the blessing of Abraham, the work of my hands are blessed. Can you see why this is important, this redemption? Under the Old Covenant, I borrow, I have many debts, and I'm burdened with debts. Under the blessings of Abraham, I lend to many nations. How many of you think the blessings are better? Instead of being burdened with debt, over here as a child of God, I'm redeemed from the curse. I now can lend to many nations. How many of you would like nations to call you and say, hey, I need a loan? Come on now. This is the blessings of God. Over here, I'm, I'm behind and I'm lagging and, the, and, the, and it says that I'm the tail. Over here on the blessings, I'm the head, I'm the top, I'm above. Amen. In Christ, I have life. Apart from Christ is eternal death and separation. Ladies and gentlemen, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. We are redeemed unto blessings. Isn't that good news? Amen. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll light your candle if you let it. Number three, the third benefit of being bought by the blood of Jesus because he loved us so much is perfect peace. Perfect peace. Now, I put a phrase here that I had not really seen, but this is so appropriate. Two things. Number one, write this down. Perfect peace with God. Perfect peace with God. And then the perfect peace of God. Not only is God now at peace with me. How many of you would be honest and say, there's been times in my life where I've been afraid to die? Where I've been afraid to meet my maker? See, now as a child of God, I have perfect peace with God. I'm not at war with God in my soul. Not only do I have peace with God, but I have the peace of God. A man without God is a man without peace. You want to write that down? A man without God is a man without peace. Living in constant fear, living in constant torment of eternal life, fear of death, fear of rejection, fear of eternal condemnation. That's a man without God and his peace. But now I lay my head on such a soft pillow every night because I know that if I die, if my body is, is taken away from the earth, I'm in the presence of the judge who's my father. How many of you like your father to be your judge? Come on now, let's think through this. Look at Colossians 1 and we're going to let you go in just a few minutes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Well, Pastor James, why are you so passionate about this and excited? Because this will change your entire Christian life on how you walk with God and how you receive from the Lord. Verse 19, Colossians 1. 
For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Verse 20, and through him, Christ, God reconciled, made us right, added it all up to completion, redeemed us. He redeemed everything to himself, and he made peace. Somebody say, he made peace. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. We can now have peace with God. Verse 21, this includes you because you were once far away and you were His enemies. You were separated by God from your evil thoughts and actions. Verse 22, yet now He has reconciled you back into Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result... As a result of this death, as a result of this blood, notice this now, He has brought you into His own presence. How many of you could walk up to the White House right now, knock on the door, and say, I'm here to see President Trump, and how many of you would they would let in? Anybody in the room? How many of you think you would probably get shot halfway up walking to the deal? But now, if you were so close with the president's eldest son, I don't know which one it is, Eric or, Eric or Don or whoever. Let's say Eric. He's got a son named Eric. Let's say you and Eric are long-term friends. And let's say now Eric drives, you're with Eric, and you go up to the White House, and they roll down the window, and he scans the badge and say, Hey, I'm Eric, you know, Donald Trump's son, and so forth and so on. And they let you in, and you go to the next gate, and, and they say, Oh, it's Eric. Come on in. And they don't even ask me anything because I'm with Eric. And then you go to the next level where, you know, man, the fingerprint scans, the retina scans and all that. And Eric says, this guy's with me. He puts his name on me. And his name gives me access. And finally we walk up this big room, this giant mahogany wooden door with all this ornate trimmings. And he knocks on the door. President Trump opens the door. And says, Eric, my son, oh, and you brought a guest with you. How did, how did I get to see the president? Because I knew the elder brother. I knew the oldest son. How do I stand in the presence of God? Because I know the older son. His name is Jesus. It's through faith in his name that I now have access to the creator of the universe. Look what this says. And you are brought, that word brought in the original Greek language is an invitation, meaning invitation by name, meaning I have a personal invitation based on the name of Jesus. Every song we sang this morning had to do with the name of Jesus, at your name. Great is your name. You're the king of my heart. Every song we sing, Jesus is the name. TC, you now have a personal invitation to our Heavenly Father because of the blood of Jesus. It's called justification and redemption. Why? Because He loved you. Because He loved you so much. Notice this now. Now I stand holy and blameless. Get this now. Now, when I stand in front of the judge who's God, I am holy and I'm blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. How many of you have never thought about you standing before God without a single fault? Let's be real. Let's be honest. But now, because of Jesus, I stand before God holy. Say this when we say, I am holy. How many of you, be honest, say, I struggle with that a little bit? Yeah. Say it again. Say, I am holy. 
I'm helping you here. Say it again. Say, I am holy. Now, say this. Say, I am blameless. What's the first thing you thought about? The dirty, rotten sin that you did last week. Right? Can we be honest? Romans 8 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now no condemnation because I'm in Christ. Notice this here. Say this. Say, I don't have a single fault. See, honey, my wife, I've been telling you for years, I don't have a single fault. Now I've got the Bible to back me up on it. Amen? Say it again. Say, I'm holy. I'm blameless without fault in the eyes of God because of Jesus. I'm justified. Ladies and gentlemen, now now I can, Hebrews chapter 4, boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and help when I need it the most because God is not counting my sins against me. Do you need to live right? Yes. This is not a license to sin. This is not a license to go out. Listen, the Bible says the soul that sinneth will surely die. This is fellowship with God, meaning I now, when I'm in fellowship with God, 1 John 1, 9, when I'm walking in the light, I'm not walking in darkness. When I'm walking in the light, I have the confidence to stand before the judge that I am now blameless in his sight because Jesus took my place. Therefore, I have access to every promise in the book. I have access to every promise of eternal life. I have access to hope. Look at Romans 5.1. Is this helping you? Man, I hope this is good. This is good. It's good whether you like it or not. It's good. Romans 5.1. I may give myself an offering after this. Man, I may just take up my own offering. I, I can at least count on my wife and kids to contribute. <laughs> Praise God. Look at this now. Therefore, since we have been made right... This is a benefit of the blood covenant with Jesus Christ. Dan, it says we've been made right. We've been justified by faith. We now have peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus has done. Ladies and gentlemen, we are justified. We are redeemed from the curse. And we are now at perfect peace with our Father because of what Jesus did. Get a hold of this. This will change your life. Now, we're doing ten and for those of you who are semi-adequate at math, that means we have seven left. So it means you need to come back next week. Amen? Amen. Unless you want all seven today. Any takers? I mean, we've got more coffee. Or, okay, I got one. Annette, all right. Majority rules. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's pray. I hope you get this today because this, this will help you. I know this is teaching stuff. It's not run around the building type stuff. Here's the whole point. I, I spoke 35 minutes on this. This is what I want to tell you. God's not mad at you. That's what I want to tell you. God's not. It is, it is actually called the good news. It's the good news. It's the great news. Ladies and gentlemen, we now have access to a holy God. And when I understand, when I understand that, when, when I understand I have such a high calling, I don't want to make such low decisions. You know why I live right? You know why I do holiness and don't drink, smoke, and chew and run with those that do. I mean, you know, you understand. You know why I do what's right? Because this love, I don't want to grieve this love. Will God be mad at me? Will God hate me? Will God cast me away? Will God turn his back on me? No, never. But you know what? He's my father, and he loves me, and he has all these blessings for me. And if I will just align myself with his plan, I can walk in the blessings. I just gave you a tremendous incentive program to live for Jesus. 
a tremendous incentive program to live for Jesus. And guess what? You don't deserve it. And guess what? Neither do I. But guess what? That's the way God designed it. And that's okay because Jesus took my place. He's the attorney that's serving my sentence. So now my job is to share that message that God is not mad at us. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray for just a second. Death of his son Jesus. That's that's the total picture of God's love is the death of his son Jesus. Then sad, sad to say you are, according to the scriptures, an enemy of God. But you can leave today a friend of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. We have all messed up. None of us meet up to God's measuring stick. He is absolute holy and absolute perfection. None of us qualify. the blood of Jesus you know we have cabinets in our home that are pretty tall and sometimes I'm very thankful those cabinets are tall because my kids can't get in there and get stuff but now my sweet little Lillian who's four she's realized that she can go get a step stool and she can get snacks and chips and cookies and all that we'll be we'll, we'll see Lillian she'll be eating a, a cookie we'll be like who got you a cookie and then we'll walk over and we'll see the stool She had no access, but because of the stool, she could reach what she couldn't reach. I don't want to be overly simple here, but ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the step stool that gives us access to all that God has for us. But you have to step up on the stool. You know what receiving Jesus is? Receiving Jesus is stepping up on the stool doing what you can, confessing your sin, believing in your heart, receiving Jesus, and then letting God do the rest. So if you're in this house today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did it a really, really long time ago and you've not been walking with the Lord and you say, I want to be in these blessings. I want to make sure I am on the good side of the attorney and the good side of the judge. All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you make a decision today that will affect you for eternity? This is not like a weekend decision. This is a decision for all of eternity. What you do today affects eternity. On the count of three, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And we're going to raise our hand and say, that's me. But before I do, let's all pray this together. Let's pray it out loud. Say it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for paying my price sin and Satan I turn from you Lord Jesus I turn to you I confess my sins Lord I believe you raised Jesus from the dead to pay the price I receive your free gift of grace by my faith I receive everything you have for me give me a fresh start in Jesus name Lord Jesus, I turn to you. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, everybody's still looking down, but I want you to make a public confession. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Public confession is me and you. That's public. You say, Pastor James, I prayed that for the first time. I added faith to that, and I meant it, and I feel a change. I believe a change is coming. Can we? Can I continue to pray with you? Would you just slip up your hand on the count of three? One. Two, three. Anybody in the house say, that's me. For the first time, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. Anybody in the house? All right, look back up at me. Man, thank God.
God, we're all born again. We're all saved. But you know what? There's a lost, dying, hurting world out there that needs Jesus. And they're not. Look at the empty seats we have. Every empty seat represents an empty heart. And they need what you just heard. So I want to just encourage you to go out, invest in people, invite them to come be a part of what God's doing here. And then when they come, include them. Make them feel a part of the family right away. And that's how God can use you to make a major difference. Amen. How many, let's close our eyes just one more time. How many of you would say, Pastor James, thank you for that message. I, I needed a reminder that I stand before God based on what Jesus did. I needed that reminder. Would you just slip up your hand? Yeah, amen. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of how much you love us, how much you care for us. Does anybody today need special prayer? I don't want to leave today without giving you opportunity. Anybody say, I need, I just need the church body to agree with me today in prayer for anything. Maybe if it's even a guest that's here, just let us pray and agree with you. Anybody say, Annette, I'm housing, yeah. Annette's believing God for a house. Come up front. Andrew, would you come and just pray and agree with Annette Ellie? Let's just pray. Let's agree with her. She needs a miracle for the Lord to provide a house. Amen. Let's just pray over her. And then anybody else that needs special prayer, let's lead this prayer out, Andrew. college students on mission trips during spring break. Isn't that awesome? That's so powerful. David, would you stand and just pray for Ellie and, and Brooke and Tyler?
you say amen? Ellie, do y'all have all the money that you need to do this? Do you have all the money that you need to do this? money you need to go do this okay hey she probably could use some extra spending spending money probably i'm telling you to walk up and give her cash after church is what i'm trying to tell you to do just tell me yes we need money just say yes they need money so just bless her invest in her amen amen god is so good god is so good i want to officially dismiss you we want you to know we love you thank you for being here and uh, pray for pastor michael and candy they're out today all of their crew is is resisting an illness and so uh pastor rick is in ohio we miss him uh they will all be back next week so we love you in about five minutes come back we're going to do our uh stewardship review it'll take about 15 20 minutes it's not long we hope everybody can stay